SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is joint pain keeping you down? It's time to bounce back with the help of Uzu CBD Plus. That's Y-U-Z-U-C-B-D-plus.com. Featuring gummies, delicious chocolates, capsules, and lotions, Uzu CBD Plus is your number one choice for all natural pain relief. Tired of side effects from prescription pills? Take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Use the promo code BLESSING for 10% off your first order and free shipping on orders of $100 or more, plus products for pets too. Visit UzuCBDPlus.com today. From Sin City. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing. I'm a soul man. All right, folks, it's a Friday, Vegas Sportsbook Radio. We're going to have so much fun with you the next couple of hours racing to the weekend. What an incredibly busy time of year. Brian Blessing, glad to be with you. Chris Pavona, our producer back in New York. Stevie Slapshot will check in in a little while on a Friday. Sunset Station at Club Madrid. We're all excited. We're doing a hockey watch party here in Vegas for the folks who are in town. Hey, if you're coming in and you're going to be here and you happen to be here on Monday night uh, for Game 5, the Golden Knights in the Minnesota Wild, we're doing a hockey watch party in Club Madrid here at Sunset Station. And they are a lot of fun. And honestly, our our guest in the first hour, Chuck Esposito will be joining us, of course, the Racing Sportsbook Director in hour number two. But Andy Isco joins us on Fridays. Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet is going to be swinging by as well. But out of the gate, Andy... Not so much the hockey watch party. It's just the fact that we're reconvening. We watch football together every Sundays with our football watch parties. We've done the hockey parties in the past. Not about the fact there's a hockey watch party on Monday night. The fact we're going to get to see people, friends that we've not seen for 14 months. It really, to me, a little thing like that, is like this big beacon into the sky that maybe we're getting close to returning back to normal. Well, that's exactly the word that I was waiting for you to say, getting back to normal. The hockey party itself is going to be a lot of fun. They always are. Win, lose, or hopefully win. But uh, it's the fact that we're getting to see people. We're getting back to the normal routine that uh, we had, well, let's face it, we had taken for granted uh, prior to the start of the pandemic. So it's going to mean that much more having gone without it for 14 months. And I'm looking very much forward to uh, uh, to Monday night. And I'm looking forward to the Golden Knights having success that this thing carries uh, throughout the month of, uh, well, the rest of May and well into June and perhaps even beyond, depending upon uh, how, uh, how things go. So just another sign that things seem to be returning to normal, which gives me great hope for the upcoming college and NFL uh, football yes. seasons, that we will have those very much normal. Yeah, we'll have the viewing parties, but just we won't be uh, having to deal with the situations last year where we didn't know who was going to be playing and which games had to be rescheduled. I would think that we're not going to have much, if any, of that to even worry about uh, this year. And I think if you go back to when the pandemic was first uh, getting underway and we didn't quite know what to expect as far as length, etc., I think a lot of the projections were that realistically by the fall of 2021, meaning the start of the upcoming football seasons, things would be relatively close to normal. And I think that's going to be the case. Maybe the only thing that won't be fully 100% will be the capacity at some of the stadiums. But I'm expecting capacity to probably be... in the 50 to 70% range at the very least. I was just going to take it to that particular 
part of the equation in terms of handicapping games, opening numbers, things of that ilk. By the way, speaking of the Golden Knights, in this hour, we will be going to Minnesota. David Shane, the beat writer for the Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, will give us an update. He was at Game 3 last night and get a sense of what that was like and what's to come. But specifically, Andy, you're watching in you know Carolina. It looks like basically a full arena. And we're seeing fans now at these games. All the handicapping we've done in the past, recent past, they've been basically neutral court, neutral rink, neutral field. <laughs> all of a sudden, home ice advantage, home field advantage, all the things that we'd have to factor into a number become part of the equation again. Well, I, I, my take from it is that when we get back to handicapping normally, you know, with normal crowds, et cetera, normal scheduling, et cetera, I'm probably going to be looking back at 2020 and look more at the personnel involved and those that, for example, opted out for the season or who were unavailable due to the COVID situation much more than where the games were played home and road. I think it's more important to, uh, uh, for me, it will be more important to take into consideration the conditions under which the game was played. And by conditions, I'm meaning the personnel who might have been that otherwise uh, would uh, that that or normally would have played, and it's a lot different than the normal number of injuries because the COVID was in addition to the normal injuries that occur on a week-to-week basis. Home field advantage, and I think we've talked about it before in the NFL, really had been starting to decline noticeably back in the 2019 season as far as the uh, the success of road teams. That continued a bit more uh, in in 2020 because of the fact that you didn't have the crowds there. I'll be keeping an eye on whether there's any reversion to home field advantage in uh, 2021, but I'll probably be paying more attention to comparing the personnel that teams had available uh, in 2020, that they'll have in 2021 than they did in 2020. And maybe the best example might be New England, who had a significant portion of their defensive uh, starters uh, opt out for the 2020 season. And as a result, obviously missing Tom Brady, but I think a lot of the defensive players being out also contributed to their first losing season in uh, two decades. No, you bring up a great point in that, okay, specifically to New England, they're going to go with Cam Newton again, it would appear, although everybody seems to be raving about Mac Jones. You're watching and saying, when is the rookie going to pop in, if at all? You're trying to kind of handicap in that. But as an overview, specific to that, where the quarterback position maybe is in flux, and it's certainly not Tom Brady anymore, but New England's defense is going to be more akin to what we were accustomed to a couple of years ago. And Belichick will be utilizing that as a strength when he gets the handful of guys back who were impact players. And that defense should be so much better that you would look and we'll see what the odds makers do. They likely will be posting pretty low totals for New England games and they may be an under team. We're going to dive into a lot of topics with Andy Isco. We're off to the races on a Friday from Sunset Station. Glad you're with us on Vegas Sportsbook Radio on Sirius Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is joint pain keeping you down? It's time to bounce back with the help of Uzu CBD Plus. That's Y-U-Z-U-C-B-D-plus.com. Featuring gummies, delicious chocolates, capsules, and lotions, Uzu CBD Plus is your number one choice for all natural pain relief. 
Tired of side effects from prescription pills? Take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Use the promo code BLESSING for 10% off your first order and free shipping on orders of $100 or more, plus products for pets too. Visit uzucbdplus.com today. You're listening to Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Back with you on Vegas Sportsbook Radio here on Sirius Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio Network. Hey, hockey fans, don't forget, there's the Light the Lamp podcast on all the podcast platforms. Camp Stewart and I do for you uh, on a weekly basis. And midnight, Saturday night, Sirius 204 will do Light the Lamp along with Andrew Torres, really get you up to date on all things NHL. Again, David Shane from the Review Journal, who covers the Golden Knights, will join us uh, in a couple of segments here on a Friday from Sunset Station. Joined by Andy Isco, our dear friend from The Logical Approach. Andy, just want to follow up very briefly on what we were talking about in the opening segment in that uh, games with fans and getting back to quote-unquote normal. I'm just curious from a handicapping perspective to review what we've gone through the past 14 months. How maybe were you different in your approach to the games and how – I'm not going to say it's hard, but again, the adjustments are going to have to be made to kind of go back to what we used to do. You know, as, as I mentioned uh, in the uh, the previous segment, I've never been one who places as much emphasis on home field advantage as a lot of other handicappers and bettors do in the traditional sense of, of the word as far as the impact of having the fans there. Although it's clear that the players last year felt very much affected by the absence of fans. And you could, you know, hear uh, the uh, the few fans that were in attendance. You could, uh, you know, hear the quietness uh, affecting the calling of signals, etc. I've always been one who says that the advantage of playing at home is the fact that you have more time to get things done as opposed to getting ready to travel or having players uh, uh, players who have to deal with other issues while you're uh, in the air and you're not able to look at film and things like that. So I think that, the, to me, the home field advantage has been, in addition to the familiarity, is also just the fact that you've had more time to look things over a seventh, eighth time spot things as opposed to uh, the uh, team you're playing who is spending that time uh, flying on a jet across country or wherever so i'm not sure that my change at least initially is going to be much different than what i've done for let's say the last five or six years where i have minimized home field advantage not ignore it but i probably don't put as much emphasis on it let's say from a numerical standpoint as even i did um say 10 years ago all right what's going on this weekend is going to be a lot of fun i'm a golf Wing basket, I just love it. And the PGA Championship, Kiowa Island. I'm in heaven, Andy, because I I don't despise, but I'm I'm just not a huge fan of you know, these tournaments that are 24 under par is the winning score. I want to see every aspect of these guy, guys' games be challenged. And the wind on this course, it is a beast. You got half the course dead into the wind, half dead downwind, wind will change it's right on the beach down in south carolina it's brutally tough but it's fair there'll be a handful of guys that will be able to go low but it's so hard to sustain around that it's playing kind of like a u.s open where hitting the middle of a green is the the goal on almost on every hole to start yeah i think the approach that the players have to take is to uh 
avoid bogeys and certainly avoid double bogeys. You know, if you, 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 I've often felt when you hit your tee shot, you once you see where your tee shot ends up, then you know how you can play the rest of the hole and what your goal should be. Can you be aggressive or do you need to be defensive? And I think that you're going to have to have a lot more defensive play, uh, at least uh, uh, in the early uh, in the early holes on these on this course, and certainly the ones where you're you're battling the wind, a severe wind, either a headwind or a tailwind, uh, because you don't know how it's going to impact on a left right uh, of, of, you know, basis as far as uh, the uh, trajectory of the ball. So I think we're going to see some, uh, when I say low scores, meaning that you're not going to see, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use the numerica, you're going to see a lot of high numbers uh, more than you're used to seeing. And I think that uh, it's as much as the, well, we talk about the wind, but let's also forget this course. Uh, let's also not forget this course is like 7,800 and something long. I think it's the longest <laughs> course ever for a major. And that, when you think of it in those terms, you're talking nearly 8,000 yards in length in addition to battling the winds. What's amazing is you watch this and we plot a course for matchups in each individual round. The big picture, Jeff Sherman from the Superbook was on with us earlier in the week, and the winning score was they posted 9.5, and, and it got bet up to 10.5. And I remember saying to Jeff, I ain't buying that move whatsoever. You're looking at the morning round, and it's funny because I watched Brandon Grace, who played in the afternoon yesterday, and there were four moments or five moments in his round yesterday where he could have just shot himself right out of the tournament, and he pulled a rabbit out of his hat on four or five occasions, got up and down, survived, and you know, having a good morning on a Friday. But the problem is... For all these guys, there's massive peril out there, Andy. A snowman, a big number on any hole is in play. And the other thing is the wind, as is the case most places, but specifically on the shore there, the wind seems to get steadier and gustier later in the day, which means on the weekend, the guys that are in contention and those that are going to be the ones determining whether that nine and a half, ten and a half is the actual number. The leaders will eventually be playing on the weekend in the toughest of the conditions, which keeps the winning score down. Yeah, it may be very important on Sunday to see who posts to score early. Uh, that mm -hmm. might be in that uh, range of, let's say, minus 10, minus 11, if you want to go with uh, with what the projected uh, final score would be. And the, the contenders in the afternoon will have to contend with those brutal win conditions. And uh, you, know, you could be sitting there in a clubhouse for two or three hours, and all of a sudden you find, uh, hey, you're either the winner or you're going to be involved in a playoff because nobody's been able to overtake you because of the condi conditions being as brutal as they are expected today uh, to be. Now, normally we talk about uh, rain as being a factor. That's not the factor. That wind, as we talked about uh, several times, is going to be the big factor and the ability to scramble. You know, you take a look at the numbers from yesterday's round at the uh, number of players who had great difficulty hitting the fairway, and that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind uh, when you're battling this kind of wind. You want, uh, As I say, you want, to, you want to be aggressive at the right time, but you also don't want to be stupid. You don't want to turn a potential bogey into a double or a triple. The one thing about the PGA that's a little different, or a lot different, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm right, and that's from a lot of years of watching it and memory, the Masters, even the U.S. Open, you get to Friday night and you go, man, look at this leaderboard. It's stacked. What a weekend it's going to be. But Saturday and on moving day and usually where they put the pins in all majors, it's utterly beyond belief how 
the clump of guys, the projected cuts two over par. So a lot of guys are going to be within six, seven of the lead. But by the end of Saturday night, Andy, in most majors, they thin the herd. And you get down to four to six to seven max contenders. But the PGA Championship is the one major that seems to me that a lot of guys remain in the equation getting to Sunday, much more so than the Masters of the U.S. Open. I think that's true in most years, but given the conditions of this year's tournament, uh, we may see some of the typical, more of the typical names on the leaderboard at the end of uh, today's second round than we normally do, because this is such an unusual course. It's a difficult course. We talked about the wind. We talk about uh, the length, but I think historically you're right that the PGA seems to be when when golfers win their first major, the PGA I believe is the one that they often win for the first time uh, most often, and of course you've also got you know a lot of club pros in the field and occasionally one of them will be on the leaderboard often even maybe within a shot or so or in the lead after the second round but I also take that strategy I think as you were alluding to from a betting perspective and that is let's see what the leaderboard looks like at the end of Friday let's see which of the usual contenders are four or five shots off the lead going into Saturday have played well but maybe not as well as as they would have liked to have played but they're certainly within striking distance and you're getting yep. them now at odds of between 20 and 40 to 1. There's no doubt. And the one thing, this is playing like a link-style course. I got several Europeans. I'm in the equation. I'm excited about that. It's playing not like a links course, but it's playing kind of like an event that would be played across the pond. Good stuff, as always, from Andy Isco. We're off to the races, Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Coming right back to Las Vegas on Sirius 204. I got a secret SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is joint pain keeping you down? It's time to bounce back with the help of Uzu CBD+. That's Y-U-Z-U-C-B-D-plus.com. Featuring gummies, delicious chocolates, capsules, and lotions, Uzu CBD Plus is your number one choice for all natural pain relief. Tired of side effects from prescription pills? Take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Use the promo code BLESSING for 10% off your first order and free shipping on orders of $100 or more, plus products for pets too. Visit UzuCBDPlus.com today. Back with you on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessing, Sunset Station on a Friday race into the weekend. Coming up in our next segment, David Shane from the Review Journal talking Stanley Cup playoffs from Minnesota. Chuck Esposito and Bruce Marshall, I think, will join us in hour number two. I know Chuck will. And our pal Bruce Marshall, who's been kind of gallivanting the gold sheet, will join us in the next segment. We said we're doing a hockey party on Monday night. We're looking forward to seeing people again. Andy, Bruce Marshall is a fountain of information. He's a dear friend. We've not seen him for the better part of a month, but for a different reason. I got I got news for you. Northern Dancer has nothing on Bruce Marshall. This guy's family tree keeps growing. Another grandkid. Yeah, he's going to have his own section in the Sire book that comes out every year because uh, what have they got? I think enough for a hockey team now, as I recall. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations to Bruce. I, I, He'll be joining us in the next segment. There. They're out there. And this one, I believe, this latest uh, grandchild is going to be able to speak several languages. 
I just told that story on the air the other day. Yes, little little kids in Europe can speak four languages. I'm trying to master English. I can do English, and I think a little bit of Pig Latin. <laughs> well done. Uh, hey, just one more quick note on the PGA Championship, and then I'm going to get your take on the NBA. The frustration element on this course is on full display, and it literally skill matters. But boy, oh boy, when you get to these kind of tor- uh, events, we talk about intangibles. You better be playing guys that are mentally tough because I don't care who you are, even if you're running away and going to hide. Like I said, Brandon Grace is having a good tournament. He's so mentally tough, dug down deep yesterday and salvaged a round to give himself the opportunity to do some damage in round number two. You better have guys that really have that fighting mentality in a major and on a course like this. Oh, disposition, temperament is so important. You have to approach, well, it's almost like in every sport, in football, you could do sports as well, that you're going to encounter stretches of adversity and challenges during the course of whether it be a football game, a baseball game, or a round of golf. And you've got to be prepared to be able to deal with that adversity and do it in an intelligent, uh, non-emotional manner so that you don't play yourself out of contention. You know, as the old saying, you take your medicine and you go on. I've referred to it before. You don't allow a bogey uh, to become a double or a triple. You say, okay, this is not my hole. I don't want to give back any, any more strokes. If I get lucky, and hit a shot that uh, comes within you know a foot of the pin and be able to save par, that's fine, but I don't want to make any more mistakes on this hole. I'll have a chance to get that stroke back uh, after another great tee shot. Andy, let's take it to the hardwoods. And in the NBA, we had the new, unique format for this year, and I think it provided us some good entertainment and some opportunities. And the standalone nature of these games, the books were loving it, big handle on these games. I can't wait to see Stevie on Monday. I, I, I was right but wrong. I told him the Indiana uh, game with Washington, the total was 237 and a half. I said, that total's not in the same county of where this game's going to end. I said, they're going to make it to 260. Where'd they get the 257 or 8? <laughs> 257, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, it, uh, it, was, it, was, it seemed never to be uh, in doubt uh, uh, throughout Washington. Uh, uh, took it to Indiana, Indiana, which likes to play fast, so they were uh, they were more than comfortable. Uh, they were just unable to uh, keep pace, and now we get to see Washington going up against a team that many people think will come out of the East in, uh, in the Philadelphia 76ers, with Joel Embiid and uh, his teammates. A lot of uh, a lot of height, a lot of bulk, uh, some good uh, some good uh, backcourt play, but it's a wide this this. That, well, that was gonna, let me let me NBA finals is it's wide open. Yeah, but let me ask you that if you agree with this, and that one game specifically, and now how things will become different in these kind of one-offs. You're you're playing a team, win in advance in in this little new format they had. I, my belief was Indiana and Washington in a game. They're going to play the way that they play best and take their they, shot they with that. They could they couldn't help they themselves. They can't play. I mean, basically. Can they play any other way? They can try. But the thing is, in a one-off, you're going to play the style of basketball that you play best. And Indiana and Washington, that was, we can outscore the opponent. Now, if that's a seven-game series, we know about the zigzag theory. Maybe serious adjustments are made over the course of a long series. But in a one-off like this, you just have to go with the style that got them there. 
Oh, absolutely, and that's where it's going to be interesting when you see these teams that like to run up and down the court when they encounter teams that actually do play uh, some defense and see if they're able to make the adjustments. But again, the uh, series will take on the uh, their own identities, and you know we talk about the zigzag theory, which holds that you play uh, on the loser of the previous game once the series gets underway, and you're looking for a competitive series, and yet so often we'll see uh, in the NBA, we'll see series that go only five, maybe six games, and so you don't get an opportunity to uh, see the normal exchanging of wins game after game after game. Uh, we'll probably see that in, in some of these series, but as I and I sort of alluded to, this seems to be a wide open uh, playoffs because you don't have the team to beat. Like last year, you had the Lakers as the team to beat. Now, the Lakers had a fine season, but they played such an extended period of time without Anthony Davis and or LeBron uh, that they ended up having to play in uh, the 7-8 seed just to make it into the field of, uh, of, of eight from the Western Conference. So we'll see how that stacks up against you know, with the favorites being the, the Phoenixes, the Utahs, the L.A. Clippers, you want to throw Denver in there as well, which has had a, a, a fine season. And in the East, you know, you would thought that perhaps Milwaukee would be the team, and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're opening their uh, playoff run with a series against Miami, the team that knocked them out of the bubble last year when they were expected to represent the East in the finals. You've got Philadelphia, as I mentioned. Uh, you've got, of course, uh, Brooklyn with, uh, uh, you know, their all-star trio, and if they're all on the cart with, you know, Irving, uh, Durant, and Harden, they are expected to advance to the finals. And then you've got some teams that are playing well without pressure on them. I think one of the big surprises this year, and uh, their coach Tom Thibodeau uh, came in second in Coach of the Year balloting, and understandably so, and that's uh, uh, the New York Knicks, their first playoff appearance in almost a decade. Uh, Julius Randle, a, t- a player who you know started his career with the Lakers out of the uh, University of Kentucky, has basically carried that team. With, uh, you know, you've had that on-court leadership of a Derrick Rose, who Thibodeau brought in and is familiar with him from uh, prior stops. Uh, they could be you know, a, a I, I difficult was... team because they're not playing with any pressure. Well, let me just ask you, the irony is it's still the great unknown and should be really entertaining with Atlanta and the Knicks. You know, in the next segment, we're going to talk to David Shane about the Golden Knights-Minnesota Wild Series. Now, Pat Micheletti's uh, dear friend does a great job covering the Minnesota Wild, and before the series, he said they're good. They're really good. He said the problem he, he thought they'd have coming in is they got to learn how to do this. They haven't been there in a long time, and they're going against a veteran team. And that maybe that's ended up being on full display last night. Atlanta and the Knicks. If, if, if the Knicks were playing, you know, Milwaukee or Miami, a team that's battle-hardened in the playoffs, the Knicks could really be up against it because they're going up against a team that's been on the big stage. But here's Atlanta and New York, and they're both kind of newbies to this, to the point where I don't think they could have drawn better to make for an entertaining series. Oh, exactly. Now, in the regular season, the Knicks did beat Atlanta uh, three straight. They were underdogs in all three games against Atlanta. Uh, the last one, they they, uh, they won and covered, but that did go into overtime in their most recent meeting about, uh, in fact, a month ago today, I believe it was April 21st, where the Knicks uh, defeated Atlanta uh, for the third time. So they have a little bit of an edge there. I think they have the edge with Thibodeau uh, on the uh, sidelines as, as the coach and Rose as the uh, you know leader on the uh, court. That experience is in valuable and I think what it does as you point out because they are going up against a team with basically limited experience much like the Knicks have you know except for isolated players that if the Knicks are able to get through this first round
around, they become dangerous because they will have then accomplished something that they haven't accomplished in a long time. Now they are somewhat of an experienced team. Can they take the next step if they're able to get by Atlanta? Probably not, but I wouldn't rule it out because all of a sudden, you know, you get that confidence after you start out with a little bit of – you're always going to have that swagger. Yeah, we can do it. But inside, you may have a little bit of, of doubt. Once you win that opening series, you've got confidence that we've got what it takes. Of course, you're going up against teams that have that same feeling because they will have also won their first series. And in the case of teams like Milwaukee uh, and uh, – uh, well, Milwaukee's probably the only one that has the extended experience. Philadelphia has a little bit of experience from recent seasons. Brooklyn doesn't really have a lot of experience overall except for the individual players on the roster that have come from other organizations that have had great experience. And Andy, we get the one-off tonight, basically an elimination game. We got about a minute here and that's Golden State laying four and a half, totals 221 hosting Memphis. And the funny thing is Memphis comes in off a win over San Antonio, but you got to be feeling good about what you saw with Golden State, who fought hard, came up short against the Lakers, but looked good doing it. Interesting game. Yeah, it is, and I actually played Golden State when the line came out after the game the other night against the Lakers. I I thought that line was large. I thought Golden State had a chance to win that game, and sure enough, it came down to, you know, a made or missed uh, shot at the very end to perhaps send it into overtime. At the very least, it was a three-point loss, and they were getting five-and-a-half points, and and they covered that one. Basically, I think they had that game covered uh, the entire way, Uh, and I felt that they would have the advantage against, uh, well, we knew at that time, because Memphis had already beaten San Antonio earlier that evening, that I felt Golden State going up against the Lakers and playing as well as they did on the road uh, mm-hmm. faced a much more formidable opponent. Although, to be fair, uh, let's give Memphis credit because they faced a San Antonio team that, although the roster is different, still has a lot of bad back class because of all those years of experience and coach Popovich is still there. So I think Golden State has the ability to pull away late in this contest and probably get a win by, I'm going to say six to 10 points. So yeah, I I played uh, Golden. uh, Yep. I I played Golden State as well. I I think you're spot on with that. All right. Andy's going to boomerang back with us. We're talking hockey next with David Shane from the review journal on Sirius 204 Sportsbook radio. Stick around more of Vegas Sportsbook radio to come. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is joint pain keeping you down? It's time to bounce back with the help of Uzu CBD Plus. That's Y-U-Z-U-C-B-D-plus.com. Featuring gummies, delicious chocolates, capsules, and lotions, Uzu CBD Plus is your number one choice for all natural pain relief. Tired of side effects from prescription pills? Take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Use the promo code BLESSING for 10% off your first order and free shipping on orders of $100 or more, plus products for pets too. Visit UzuCBDPlus.com today. You're listening to Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. All right, folks, back with you on a Friday, Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Sirius Channel 204 on the Sports Grid Radio Network. The Stanley Cup playoffs have been absolutely sensational. Uh, we dove into that a little bit with Andy Isco, but a real good opportunity for us to talk to a good friend and a guy that does just a great job. He's the beat writer for the Golden Knights, David Chain from the Las Vegas Review Journal, who's in Minnesota. The morning after, the Golden Knights 
literally, it's close to say, came back from the dead. They were down 2 nothing. A disallowed goal, or it would have been three nothing, and the story might have been mightily different. Instead, Vegas rallies, and now we're talking about Minnesota's reaction to what went down. David, thanks for joining us. It's unbelievable how that was the tale of two games, but that one game now. What's the reaction of the Wild going to be for the remainder of the series? Uh, yeah, good to have uh, or good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. I, I think that's probably the main question for them. I, it's been a really interesting series. Just, you know, it went from game one, sort of doom and gloom for the Knights, and then all of a sudden after they win game two, then we start hearing from the Wild, like, oh, how do we beat Marc-Andre Fleury? We've only got two goals against him. Like, it, the narratives just changed so much. And then, like, this one was after 20 minutes <laughs> – I mean, we're all up there in the in the press box, like trying to figure out, you know, is Rob Leonard going to play Game Four? Like, how do they survive this? How are they going to have, you know, any confidence left and whatever, you know? So, from the Knights' perspective, it was a complete 180, and from the Wild' perspective, now you kind of have to pick up the pieces. I mean, they played a pretty darn good first period. We're up to nothing, like you said, could have made it three, and then just seemed to fall apart. I, I don't know whether it was that disallowed goal or just, you know, whatever was said in the locker room, because the Knights really did dominate the second period almost from the jump. Um, but, yeah, to your point, this is this is a big moment for Dean Evison and the Wild to kind of, you know, come to uh, come to the realization, I guess, that they need to win game four. It's almost a must-win for them at this point. This is the oddest series of all of them that's being played. You, you watch the games around the league. And, yeah, I get it. There's momentum in the back and the fourth, uh, the Florida-Tampa Bay. But teams keep coming back at each other. In this series, in every game, two of the three, it was Minnesota. They come out of the gate flying, and then the team that had the bad first period, they come back, and then they take over. It's not like it's back and forth. It's one team dominates for a long stretch, and then another team dominates for a long stretch. I've never seen anything like it. I don't think I have. I mean, it's especially the last two games have literally, like you said, it's been one team dominate the first basically half of the game, like all the way into the second period. And then as soon as, you know, I guess maybe not quite in, in the, in game two, it took the Jonathan March. So triangle as opposed to them, you know, getting the leader. But it's like, once the Knights get that first goal and they exhale and they say, Oh, okay, well, we're not going to get shut out or we're not going to throw up 45 shots and maybe get one goal like we did against Dallas and like we did against Vancouver in the bubble last year and like we did in game one. Once they get that, you know, sort of relief and feeling and can just play free, it's, uh, like you said, it's been complete, completely different team that, that takes over seemingly in the second half, you know, of these last two games. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Uh, the one thing I was asking last night and I thought, you know, it was interesting to hear the players talk about from the Knights' perspective is just the experience that, especially that game three, uh, as we're recording this, it would have been last night. Uh, the Knights' experience, just playoff experience, you know, being able to just kind of stay the course, not get rattled after that first period. I, that's that to me was just a a big factor and really what showed up in them. You know, staying calm and understanding that there were only two goals down after all that. And as soon as Mark Stone scored, they were right back in it. And then, you know, from that point, it's just game on. Well, inside 
any series, there are subplots and stories. And clearly, Flurry's been a very big story from the get-go in this series. The swings back and forth with the momentum's another one. But the questions I was looking for posed to a Riley Smith and to DeBoer last night, it's actually been pretty impressive for Vegas the last two games that once they get the lead in the third period, I think what you're talking about, that's where it comes into play, and that's the experience of closing out games where they've never let the Wild make a big push. And there's such a fine line, Dave, between sitting back and protecting a lead and then eventually the goal comes, and then you got to get flip a switch, and now you got to get going again. There's a fine line between sitting back and remaining aggressive because if you get the lead and you're being aggressive and you give up a two-on-one the other way, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I think Vegas' experience really has come into play in that specific instance with the lead in the third period, that ability to stay aggressive and close the game out. Yeah, and I think, you know, the interesting thing, too, is go back to the regular season and look at what happened when the Knights played the Wild, and especially, you know, the last series here. Uh, at the start of May, they had a 5-3 lead, uh, basically midway through the third period and gave up three goals in the last nine minutes. Two of them were in the last minute and a half to lose that game. The The next game, they won 3-2 in overtime, but they had a, a one nothing lead in the third period, and Kaprizov scored twice and they needed a late Riley Smith goal just to get it to overtime. So I like history against the, the Wild, especially here in Minnesota, uh, where it's disgustingly humid, by the way. I just have to add that. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that, that late spring, kind of Midwest, uh, rainy humidity. It's kind of, ugh. Um, but anyway, back to, back to the hockey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they, they struggled in that area uh, against the Wild. And, and I think, you know, that was, uh, that was one of the more impressive things I thought. I agree last night that, you know, they went into that third period 3-2. And, and like you said, didn't just sit back. I think that's, you know, again, there are certain teams that seem very comfortable and know how to protect a one-goal lead in the third period. And there are other teams that always end up very nervy and, you know, you just, you just see the mistakes and you're just kind of waiting for the goal. You can see it's inevitable. And the Knights just looked solid and structured and firm and, and no panic in their game. And, and Marc-Andre Fleury said this too, uh, that the big thing in all, in all that was, as he said, Willie's uh, high blocker shot, which is William Carlson's goal to make it four, two with about two and a half minutes left. That was a, that was a huge shot, and I think it kind of gave them a little bit of just breathing room there for the last couple minutes that if Minnesota was going to make a huge push, they had a two-goal lead to uh, to protect it. You know, in terms of trying to handicap what's going to come the rest of the way, you know, power ratings and numbers and all this, the playoffs is such a between-the-years thing and intangible so much and so often come into play that, again, the how do you explain specifically – Felino, Erickson, Eck, and Greenway is a big, heavy line. And Vegas has literally had no answers for them from the start of this series other than Flurry making great saves. And it looked like they could have scored five goals in that first period last night. And then out of nowhere, that trio and basically the rest of the group in its entirety, I get the Golden Knights did a lot of good things, but it was more what Minnesota didn't do. It's it's It really... It's still hard to fathom for me how, yeah, you got to punch to the gut and you got to bounce back. But I mean, it was like they unraveled. 
I don't know if mentally they just thought they should have been up more and maybe were frustrated or disappointed that it was only 2 nothing. And then as soon as, obviously, that stone goal came, it just, like I said earlier, you could just see the, the Knights kind of just take a deep breath and go, okay, all right, we're still in this. We got we played terrible, but but we're in it. What, what was really interesting to me in the first period was just watching the matchup. So um, we have a friend in Vegas who is not a huge fan of the Golden Knights' fourth line and, and starting them and things like that. And, <laughs> and, and, and in, the first, in the first period, it was very interesting to see the way that the Wild matched up with the Knights at home. The, the Knights basically used their fourth line against that Erickson F line in the two games at home to kind of waste their shifts. They want the Knights want that Erickson F line away from Stone and, and anything offensive. They'd rather have them out there against the fourth line. And yeah, that Erickson F line scored in the overtime in the game one, and that was against the William Carlson line. But I think, you know, we saw it really in the first period, the way that Dean Evanson matched up that line against Mark Stone and really kind of neutralized them. And I think a lot of it had to do with just Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, and Alex Tuck elevating their play and, and sort of taking that matchup, you know, out of the hands of the Wild and putting it back in favor of the Knights. And then the depth was able to, you know, kind of take over from there. They're able to get that Carlson line against, out there against Kaprizov. Um, you know, at times, I know Dean Evanson kept that Kaprizov line out there against the fourth line, just with his matchup. So that's kind of a fun thing, sort of the game within the game, to watch, I, you know, how these coaches are sort of wiggling uh, players against each other and all that sort of good stuff. It's such a great point you bring up. You know, one of the nuances, the last change, you know, we talk about the little things that make a difference in every hockey game, but mistakes are magnified in the playoffs. Get it deep. If you don't, an idiot turnover at the blue line, it comes the other way. It ends up in your net. Those things are magnified. And the last change becomes such a big deal when you're playing the same team night in, night out. And it'll be interesting to see the adjustments Minnesota makes now. But you're right that Everson getting the last change has the ability to spring Kaprizov on Vegas when he wants to. And in terms of the first goal, he got out there and off a face-off set up Hartman. But the chess match between the coaches is always a fun thing to monitor, and it kind of gets lost in the chaff sometimes. But believe me, the coaches are so impactful in series just with that ability to mix and match and the chess match between the coaches. Yeah, 100%. I know Pete DeVore was asked about it last night and gave a one-word answer, no as to whether that had any effect on, you know, the wild fast start. Um, but I think it did, to be quite honest. I think they got the favorable match. I mean, look at, like you said, look at the first goal. That was an offensive zone faceoff that Everson skipped his fourth line and put that Kaprizov line back out there. Um, yep. Quick shifted them to get that ozone faceoff, and they scored off of it. So, you know, just little things like that, that it definitely felt like early on, the Wild with that, that last change were sort of, you know, winning that battle. And as the game went on, the Knights, uh, the Knights were able to neutralize that. All right, the $64,000 question. Honestly, uh, how this thing spun on a dime got about a minute. Literally after the first period, you're sitting there going, Vegas is in trouble. I mean, they're, not, they're in big, big trouble. And then you turn it around, and the way Minnesota unraveled and they closed the game out, now – the, the, the headline and the whole story changes is how does Minnesota react and how much trouble are they in? Yeah, and, you know, about halfway through the second period, there's a 
there's a website or a Twitter account called Money Puck that does a lot of, you know, fancy analytics and projected, you know, winnings and, and all that sort of stuff. And about midway through the second period when it was still 2 nothing Wild, they sent out a tweet that said the Wild are now favored to win the series. So it's crazy. It's crazy how things just, just flip like that. And, you know, I think from the Knights' perspective, just because I understand that a little bit better, you know, they can't they, – you come out here – trying to earn a split and you're able to get that guaranteed after the first game. So now you, so now you just get greedy, you know, now you just try to try to get them both and and maybe try to get this thing done in five. But, you know, other than that, I think, you know, for the Knights, they're, they got home ice back. They're in a good position and almost regardless of what happens at game four, they're in, they're in a good spot. They are in a good spot. I know you're busy. We're up against a break, buddy. Thank you so much for doing it. Enjoy the rest of the series. Our friend David Shane from the RJ will be right back on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is joint pain keeping you down? It's time to bounce back with the help of Uzu CBD Plus. That's Y-U-Z-U-C-B-D-plus.com. Featuring gummies, delicious chocolates, capsules, and lotions, Uzu CBD Plus is your number one choice for all natural pain relief. Tired of side effects from prescription pills? Take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Use the promo code BLESSING for 10% off your first order and free shipping on orders of $100 or more, plus products for pets too. Visit UzuCBDPlus.com today. Back with you on Vegas Sportsbook Radio, wrapping up hour number one. An hour from now, Scott Farrell will join you on the network. We're at Sunset Station on a Friday. Hey, we talk about injury news and notes, and it's always brought to you by Uzu CBD Plus, Y-U-Z-U-C-B-D-plus.com. Manage joint pain the all-natural way. Delicious chocolates, the gummies, the lotions. It works. And if you use the promo code BLESSING, you get 10% off your first order. Free shipping on orders of $100 or more. On the injury front, Andy Isco still with us here from the logical approach. Let him go get his milkshake during the commercial break. Andy, you know, you watch sports, and injuries are part of the equation. But, boy, when you see something like you saw last night, you really you're, you gasp and your heart skips a beat. John Tavares gets hit at open ice in the game, the Leafs' captain against the Canadians. And right after he gets hit and goes down, Corey Perry – who was skating by him, hits his knee on his head, and at that speed, it, it was really terrifying. The good news is Tavares, he's out indefinitely, but he's been released from the hospital, was taken off the ice on the stretcher. Uh, we got about 40 seconds, Andy, but, you, boy, your, your heart's in your hands when you see something like that. Oh, it was, a, a well, I guess the word that comes to mind, it's a very terrifying incident because uh, obviously you knew it was an accident, but nonetheless, uh, you, there's a great deal of concern for Tavares, and obviously going forward, I don't know if he'll even be back playing uh, should Toronto advance in the playoffs. And, you know, looking at the series, of course, uh, a lot of pressure on Toronto coming in there. They won that uh, Northern Division pretty easily, a lot of pressure on them. Um, wonder how Montreal will respond now that they've taken a one nothing lead in that series against, uh, you know, clearly their most bitter rival. At the same time, will the absence of Tavares 
help or hinder Toronto's performance? Will they suck it up, rally around their fallen hero, or will they just realize that, hey, uh, you know, it may just be a little bit too much to overcome? I'll well, be very interested to see how physical Game 2 is. The good news, he's out of the hospital, uh, and we'll monitor his return to the lineup. Andy Isco will be back with us. Chuck Esposito, hour number two. Thanks to David Chain from the Review Journal. Hour number one in the cookie jar. Short break coming back to Las Vegas. It's Sportsbook Radio on Sirius 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network.